0: Welcome to Much To Discuss, a weekly conversation between the beautiful Kelly O'Shea and me, Steph Swan, tackling culture, content, news and topics we've been absorbing this week. Kell, I know we start off. We really just go into updates on life, and we could start with me, but it feels remiss given a life-altering
1: experience you've recently had. Yeah, I had the best night of my life on Sunday when I went to the Taylor Swift concert in Chicago. (laughs) I was was waiting to make the jokes of like
0: your wedding day or some traditional. Definitely not.
1: What's the overview? First of all, Taylor Swift is an Olympic athlete. I don't know how she goes 44 songs. For three hours, unreal. I like is she the Michael
0: Phelps of entertainment? Maybe there's I no would, gold medals, but she's, she's in a league. It. She's in
1: a league of her own. I don't know that there's any other artist, alive or dead, that has an impact on people, especially on women of all generations, like Taylor Swift does. Like watching the amount of people that were in that stadium singing, screaming her lyrics at her. Everyone knew every word to every single song, including. Including a song that was released maybe two days prior to the show.
0: It's insane. And I think that. I liked some of Taylor
1: Swift's songs.
0: I couldn't ever call myself a Swifty given what that criteria is. It's maybe the highest bar. I will say I think it's just a great, powerful, connective thing that she has created for the world. You kind of look at it and you think about the breakup she's helped people through, the grief, love. Like she has single-handedly impacted so many people's lives in a support role, which is unreal. And obviously art does that for so many people. just the depth and breadth of Taylor Swift—it's hard to comprehend. I couldn't agree more, and I think
1: I was on an emotional roller coaster, and I think it took me like two full days to come down.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did check in with you. post-show, you did. but Someone I needed to. Am so happy you had this experience. You're glowing. I <laughs> I hope the most, like I I hope I find something one day as an externality that can bring me so much joy. You might become a Swifty. There's time. Maybe. Maybe I'll just convert and jump on the bandwagon. But That would
1: be the best thing.
0: The thing that I'm shocked about is it lived up to the hype, it sounds
1: like. Is that right? Oh exceeded. That is unreal.
0: Given how big expectations are, how she can even surpass that, like it's unreal. I can't, I keep saying that word because that's all that's coming to mind for me. Should we just end the recording
1: here? Yeah. I think that's the (laughs) biggest, it's the biggest and only update. I guess I'll still ask you how your week and weekend has been going. I haven't had any life altering moments. So far.
0: Well, if you count existential crises, we'll unpack that in the heavier news topics. Perfect. We're both based in New York, and I'm sure people have seen in the news that the Canadian wildfires has layered New York in isn't the most toxic air quality in the world. Well, toxic is probably a too strong a word. It's polluted. So that's been going on. But personally, you know, as with last week's update, whining and dining upper tree, honorable mention to us being in tears at a bar last night. Happy Tears. Seems, Seems like a classic. It was our last
1: trio dinner slash drinks. Trio in your being city. The two of us. And then and your husband to come as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And my favorite part was he was sitting there, didn't know what to do. He doesn't cry. Never seen the man cry in my life. We start reminiscing and get emotional, and he's sitting there like a deer in headlights which is so funny but it's been lovely obviously deep in my feels kind of closing the chapter about damn time As Lizzo famously has said, that song was about my long goodbye to New York, I think. Right. Yeah. She was anticipating it. She was. (laughs) And then, of course, it just made me proud of my community here at home, just in general, with taking some of the risks I've taken. So it's nice to be in that headspace. And then the other thing is we've started packing. And if I do say so myself, I am a magician. And you're really humble, which is great. (laughs) The humility has left the building on this topic. I think I am very good at executing a plan. Put me in a situation where I have like tangible things to
1: execute and fuck me. It's like Christmas. That's but so great. What do you think your biggest packing hack has been? Like what about it are you so good at?
0: Yeah, I think it's a combination of organization and just sheer determination and fixation on a topic.
1: Meaning I don't get overwhelmed. I just tunnel through. That's amazing. I'm not a good packer. I'll be like packing up my clothes and then i'm like oh i should try this dress on like i haven't worn that in a while i wonder what it looks like like it just everything is a distraction
0: but that's a good exercise i encourage that but you've
1: got to keep going <laughs>
0: that was like mom when i was in australia earlier this year it reminds me of my mom is our house is like a museum at all times growing up it was clean as can be but mom i've realized as i've gotten older of like she puts the mess behind a cupboard so infamously her wardrobe is so packed that she has to re-iron clothes because that's how jammed in everything is so i was like that's it we're going through your wardrobe it took four days i had her it was like she did a fucking triathlon i was like all right we're doing this section i'm like try everything on does it make you feel good and she's like oh i feel a bit frumpy i'm like it's gone and it was. <laughs> i think she was somewhat frightened of me which is fine It was amazing. The cathartic nature of it, I can't underscore enough. She hadn't cleaned out her closet, I think, since she was 20. So there was like 40 years of accumulated everything. We re-envisioned her entire wardrobe to the point where now I'm like, okay, here's the holes in your wardrobe. We're going to shop for this. Here's how you do the combo. She took like 17 garments to get altered slightly. You know, like when you put something on and you're like, oh yeah, it doesn't quite fit here. I was like, all right, great. We're going to go. You're getting that altered. That's great. Try it with this. Now, she probably gets compliments on everything she wears every day. And the sweetest part is she'll, like, text me. And I will just say, highly recommend. But I guess we should move into pop culture. And as usual, Cal, tell, tell me what's going on.
1: So starting off with my first story for you, Pete Davidson left an explicit voicemail for Hida after the senior vice president of cruelty investigations released a statement that they called for Pete to adopt, not shop, and said that he should have adopted a mutt from a city shelter versus get the dog that he did get okay. after being upset over the loss of his mom's dog who died prematurely at two years old, which is That's- so sad
0: really sad here's my thing really we're gonna go after one person for doing this and I'll let you keep going
1: in his voicemail I honestly was like I'm kind of team Pete on this one he was like you should just do your research my mom and my sister were so sad I was trying to do something nice I was filmed in the pet store without my consent I have to get a hypoallergenic dog so I have to get a -a a -a Cavapoo
0: I'm obviously immediately on Pete's side (laughs) yeah Bert Swan is a dog he's my mom Mom's dog, here's a Cavapoo. He is the most perfect thing on the planet. Now my logic is leaving my brain. But the other thing I think people underappreciate around this like adopt, don't shop mentality is getting a dog, you really have to be cognizant of your lifestyle and the kind of dog breed that you will be able to give a happy, healthy home for the rest of time. Some people adoption work. Knowing that his and like a is a very specific kind of dog, both for the hyperallergenic reason and also where they live how they live sometimes i feel like those considerations are just completely missing from this discussion
1: yeah obviously the best first option that you should go to when thinking about getting a dog is adoption we all know that if you're able to adopt you should yes i do find such an issue with the fact that their dog just died i was like can we just let the man live with his puppy he wasn't doing anything that harmed anyone else yeah i just find such an issue with the fact that this is what Peta decided to blow up
0: i think pete was just an easy target for them 100 but i would definitely like to hear the voicemail was it
1: funny like everything he says is funny like it was but i still felt like he was pretty respectful he ended up apologizing for his poor choice of words but he stood by standing up for his family which i think is a very fair apology and i'm totally with you
0: like seb and i want to get a dog about the end of this year ideally we would adopt and we're in conversations about doing that but because of our lifestyle we need a specific dog. I mean, we may live in an apartment, so we will be limited by that at some point. So I have personal biases to this conversation.
1: Pete Davidson is just a poor punching bag poster boy are you ready for my next pop culture story? Yeah. So many exciting updates from Apple at the Worldwide Developers Conference this week to FaceTime, messages, apps, and more with updates that are going to be coming out. These were the ones I was excited about. iPhone is going to stop autocorrecting the F word to duck. I don't know <laughs> I can, I'm like, can I swear on air? Yeah, I like that. Then they're also going to allow users to leave messages over video, over FaceTime. Hell yeah.
0: I <laughs> was actually wanted to sorry. do that recently. and was like, that's dumb. You can't do that. That's okay.
1: going to be a big one, I feel like and then the last one they're going to allow transcription of voice messages so if your friends send you a voice message you can click on the transcribe and it can like give you a paragraph oh my goodness good <laughs> luck transcribing a voice message from me or you they'd be chaos. writing a short essay I love absolute that. chaos my next story for you shocking for me i have a sports related pop culture item Wait, for you what <laughs> Wait, is Taylor Swift playing baseball? And I didn't know it. Now that you mention it, I really should know what sports she played growing up, if any. And oh I, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I would have to guess, like equestrian.
0: I don't know why she gives me like equestrian mm-hmm. vibes.
1: Because she's like a country girl.
0: Um, Also
1: like... A horse girl? Horse girl vibes. But anyway, back to your sports update. I'm just in shock. That's all. Back to my sports update. On occasion, I follow golf, really, because my dad is retired and he golfs. That's But on Tuesday, it was announced that the PGA Tour and the Live Tour would be merging, with many players finding out about the merge on Twitter before seeing a memo that was sent out. And the creation of the Live Tour was done by the Saudis in 2021 with their first season than being last year in 2022. That's it's been very heavily sweet. criticized because live golfers that signed on signed on for like multi 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 million dollar bonuses and had to leave the PGA. So a lot of their character was called into question. And the big question was where the money was coming from to fund the live lead. Yeah.
0: I'll say it now and you'll probably hear this. If you follow any money, the origins are not great. Yeah. No matter how you skin the cat. But I understand that there are more recent and troubling links as it relates to the new live. Yeah. I'm shocked that this is linked. My dad works in sports, not golf, but follows every sport in the world. And I remember we had a lot of conversations when this came about because it was just such a big disruption in the landscape. And like that doesn't happen very often
1: in sport. Do, have they disclosed? why they're suddenly merging this back together? They haven't really. It was just announced and the head of the PGA, his original comments about the live tour were very negative. I mean, he criticized heavily the players that went over. He criticized the Saudis and where the money was coming from. It hasn't come out because so many documents are under court seal at the moment. He held a whole conference with the players. He was essentially like, opinions can change the more information comes out and he was really just taking the criticism. A lot of the players were like you're a complete hypocrite and his response was pretty much yeah. yeah." I like
0: that part I like people owning their truth and people are allowed to change their mind I also wonder that like commercial it had to be money. Like, well like the, the PGA probably was and... just going to go under if it didn't merge because if Lever offering a lot more money and they're losing their prime golfers, but they're going to lose
1: Bible. That's the crazy part. They had offered Tiger Woods and Rory McElroy insane packages to come over and they refused because of the integrity of Live versus PGA so they actually didn't lose as many golfers as you would think
0: my understanding is they got a lot of the up-and-coming golfers so the existing PGA pros didn't Mm -hmm. go because they owe their whole livelihoods to PGA whereas I think the new up-and-comers who are like young scrappy more interested in being like that's well and good Tiger Woods can turn this down I can't that is life-changing for me Tiger Woods financially is going to be fine whether he does it or not I imagine that it would have changed the future of the PGA because the younger talent I believe was more likely to respond to the dollar incentive but I did think then
1: the live team could play on the PGA still like they could in the majors they couldn't play in PGA tour games uh, so I think okay. they're figuring out all the details now but right, it'll be interesting I mean these players also have had a lot of animosity I think towards each other to like the yeah. people that accepted these deals and made a ton of money the fact that they're coming back just seeing whose contracts are going to be honored Tiger Woods could have made $700 million going over
0: yeah it'll be really interesting and I think if one thing's for sure, or golf has managed to put itself back into the like we're talking about it so from a sport is entertainment that is the business and yes this is going to be like a I think a very messy merger because mergers are typically if they're going to try and integrate these two concepts it's going to be a ride
1: they have got the eyeballs back on golf it's been interesting as you know I normally find sports to be just a complete snooze fest to say the very least and I love <laughs> I love the drama of golf at the moment like the most boring sport on earth has captured my attention and yeah. they're gonna keep it they got the tea it's piping the last update i have for you back to taylor swift of course oh, okay. is that taylor swift and matt healy have broken up after a swift get it lol thank you <laughs> <But I'm> sh- <laughs> two week romance in Actually, a twist that everyone saw coming i think <laughs> yeah i feel like firstly
0: i want to acknowledge the pun that was great thank you secondly it's just not like you get under someone to get over someone and then the world kind of grabbed onto their relationship and she oh, was like guys nice, chill
1: 100% she just wanted like a little hookup rebound after her breakup I'm sure Matt is devastated I would be if I lost Taylor Swift I can't even imagine
0: I'm glad we probably never have to face that reality
1: but we'll see what's next I'm really excited for her as she enters this new era eras to long, yeah, another pun that was another it that was actually another pun that's my pop culture for you for the week
0: moving into the content we've been consuming. So anything from articles, shows, movies, podcasts, what are we taking in? I promise not to talk about The Walking Dead this time.
1: <laughs> Do you have anything for me? This one is more of a quick mention just on what I've been reading. Last week, I read Christina Najjar, known on social media as Tinks. Wow. I, I did. Book.
0: I had no concept of what her name was. Yeah. Tinks. Right. Okay. She Christina never mentioned Najjar. it.
1: Even titling on her book, it says by Tinks. It doesn't say. I mean, it
0: would have to. She's like entangled her entire brand to that
1: nickname. She is Tinks. She's a one word. She wrote a book. It's called The Shift. And that book combines theories and stories, some of which she shared on TikTok, that are meant to guide you in shifting your mindset to look inward for your confidence. It was a pretty easy read. And she focused on the power of female friendships, discussed turning your focus inward to find what you want in life versus society's definition and timeline success and also preached thinking about how you feel towards someone versus wondering if a man liked you I will say it was really easy to read I thought it was really playful and empowering I enjoyed it I like that kind of sounds like it's bordering on like a self-help book is that fair to say it definitely was and I think self-help leaning dating advice Big sister. Big, very much big sister.
0: I do love it. I love confidence. I think is something I'm learning in my life is like critical to happiness. Having that. And in therapy this morning, shout out Amy. Oh, we t- <laughs> she talked about how people misconstrue confidence as like you like who you are as a person. Confidence is knowing who you are, knowing your truth. And knowing, it's kind of like warts and all, you know, it's just being like, I am who I am and I'm proud of it. Know my limitations, know my strengths, that helps build confidence. Which I don't know, sometimes that's helpful to hear because I feel like you don't have to like all of you. In fact, I think by definition, you shouldn't because no one's perfect, but have compassion and empathy and just know your truth. That helps. Like I I am probably a confident person and I'm also incredibly flawed. And those two things sit okay next to each other. So... Yeah. I kind of like that she pulled on that thread. And I think in dating, definitely leads to like the love you think you deserve.
1: As I was reading a lot of her lessons, I was like, oh, this sounds like advice I would get from my best friends whose opinions I trust. You can tell she really walks the talk. Right. In what she was saying. And
0: that can be so hard to do. Like when you've got the rose colored glasses on, you can love someone and they cannot be the right fit for you. And I think that's a very hard thing to work through and let go of yeah do you have any content that you want to give me so as you know i pretty much exclusively listen to podcasts so it comes as no surprise that mine is a podcast recommendation armchair expert they release tons of content. I really like what they offer. And they interviewed Michael Waldman. The topic was on the Supreme Court. So context for this, Michael Waldman is an incredibly accomplished attorney. He was a presidential speechwriter, and he is very engaged in kind of modern policymaking. He talked about the history of the American democracy and I think the part that stood out to me was that America was really one of like the first countries to design democracy without the monarchy. That hadn't really ever stood out to me that much yeah and really i learned that like in america because kings and queens of like england were not elected the country citizens had very little controls over the actions of their leaders which is why the founders of the united states decided to create a system that allowed citizens to vote on their leader resulting in the president and then the separate bodies which then gets us into the supreme court and modern day impact the Supreme Court is having. He unpacked the danger of how it's operating today and really explored the concept of originalism. He also talked about how extremism is influencing judges and their rulings on cases, which is having huge ripple effects in society. But my question for you, Cal, is what is your understanding of what originalism means in the context of the Supreme Court?
1: In the context of the Supreme Court, my I actually I've never heard the word originalism, but my assumption on what it means would be that they're operating as closely as they can to the original intent of the rules that were created like way back when in the 1700s when like the constitution was written.
0: What I will say is you're a very small cookie because that is pretty much exactly what it means.
1: Wow. Um, I wish you could see how big I'm smiling right now. <laughs>
0: I I actually mean, you you know, when you're a kid and you get called a smart cookie and it's like the biggest compliment. Still is. (laughs) I meant it very sincerely. I feel like every time I ask you a pop quiz answer, you get to the right answer. And I did look at the dictionary definition and it is as defined by the Oxford Dictionary. It's a type of judicial interpretation of a constitution, in brackets, especially the US Constitution, that aims to follow how it would have been understood or was intended to be understood at the time it was written. Another interesting thing that feels quite relevant to originalism is, do you know when the US Constitution was written? I googled this, of course. I didn't know this.
1: No idea. 1700s.
0: 1787 ratified in 1788 what this means is that there are people currently on the supreme court who want to interpret it as what it would have meant in 1787 and the part of this conversation that i found really interesting is how michael waldman a person much smarter than i and informed in this area really discusses how the constitution was written who be amended and changed over time that is why they allowed for amendments to the Constitution. Right. But in function, it's separated from that. The Supreme Court was not meant to have as much sway over democracy as it's having. For these Supreme Court justices and people who believe in originalism, that's great. Also, mm-hmm. you can have the medical, technological, safety measures of 1787 as well. Like, you can't drive your car to the Supreme Court and then preach about how the Constitution needs to be interpreted on the basis of many moons ago. Completely. When you yourself
1: are employing the benefits of change and progress in society. It's also so interesting that the assumption would be made that the people that were behind the Constitution in the 1700s know more or are more, more equipped to make decisions about society as a whole than we are now. Like, if you're going back to their rules, that's what you're saying. And they're all white men. I think the average age was like 40. There was so much wrong in the Constitution that I feel like the people that wrote the Constitution were even aware of
0: they themselves knew enough to say it should evolve over time like they knew enough to know they didn't know everything and that to me is like a lost art of admitting there's probably ways to iterate on things and improve them over time and I think we've as a society benefited from that concept across majority of fields so did it talk about the lifetime positions yes they talk about how really broadly in America people support term limits on justices that's creating a war of the issue and so I definitely recommend listening to it because Waldman highlights how Congress can make changes to how justices are appointed term limit and I just feel in general it's something to be informed about given the power and influence within the U.S. and then the tone it sets globally so if you don't live in America and you think what does it mean to you when Roe v. Wade was overturned I feel like the whole world felt that
1: so yeah that's why
0: I feel like give it a listen do you have anything else in content for us Kel
1: I do the last piece Of content that I have for you is that I read a gripping profile in the New Yorker, Rachel Aviv. I know I liked the word gripping. I thought it was it was very apt. But Rachel Aviv wrote a profile in the New Yorker called "The Tortured Bond of Alex Siebold and the Man Wrongfully Convicted of Her Rape." And the context here is that Alice Siebold was the writer of "The Lovely Bones," and she also wrote "Lucky," which was a story of her own rape. And she learned that the wrong man had been sent to prison in 1982 for raping her and Anthony Broadwater, who was the wrongly accused, spent 16 years in prison and 22 more as a registered sex offender. She had seen him on the street shortly after her rape and recognized him as looking like her rapist. And then from there, there was a gross series of mishandlings by the police, the district attorney, and the justice system that landed him a guilty verdict carrying 8 to 25 years. But there were just a lot of really disturbing things that happened. She was brought in to identify him in a police lineup and she wasn't able to do so but the district attorney kind of skewed the details And a lot of the details she wrote about in her book actually ended up supporting him many, many, many years later once he was out of prison in overturning the guilty conviction.
0: I was just about to ask. So she wrote the book when she still believed he was guilty. She,
1: yeah. I think one thing that's notable is that Anthony Broadwater has said in no way does he blame her as the victim. The system. and Yeah. And he blames the system. And she, in less words, she talks about how guilty she feels and shameful. So she's- I apologized to him and she has said publicly that she thinks that he must just be an incredible person to have gone through what he's gone through he maintained innocence the whole way
0: I was just about to say the character of Anthony Broadwater to not even blame her like I cannot imagine a world in which you are wrongly accused of rape and then you're convicted and to have enough like empathy and perspective to be able to say like it's systematically an issue and not blame the person who accused you and Alice I think this whole situation is just incredibly sad because it's a victim she's a victim of a rape he's a
1: victim of the system failing they are both victims he went up in front of the parole board multiple times throughout his sentence. And each time they tried to get him to admit guilt. And part of going on parole for him would have been having to admit that he did it and felt guilty about it. And instead, when he went in, he talked about how he felt guilty for a crime he didn't even commit. And then he wouldn't admit that he had done the crime. And they said, part of being released on parole is you admitting to what you've done. Yeah. And he maintained innocence the whole time.
0: And that's, I think, like an overhaul in the criminal system is required the fact that innocent people are convicted every day we know this yeah it's it's complicated right because if he is a convicted rapist if there is someone you remorse is a big part of showing rehabilitation but he was innocent this is just incredibly sad and I think when I hear this case what stands out to me is that the reason the burden of proof is so high is to stop innocent people going to prison and I think that especially cases from years ago if you look at how bias within people working the case, how people get kind of entrenched in what they believe to be the truth and they're willing to try and prove it no matter what. It's incredibly dangerous and this
1: is just really sad. I did see a tweet from writer Otega Uwagba where she said lots of extraordinary things in this piece but I somehow can't wrap my head around the fact that pretty much everyone who tried to dramatize the story immediately thought this doesn't add up and then she goes on to talk about how none of them did anything because the book Lucky was written making money and all these people were trying to turn it into movies and you would he got I think 5.5 million which which doesn't feel like enough. enough at all no and
0: I think the years and years of him sitting guilty of a
1: crime he didn't commit can never be undone and that wraps up content for the week So moving into some of the more newsworthy topics for this week, Steph, what's been happening? Fill me in. Okay.
0: So as we alluded to in the opening chat, bit of a heavy, heavy week. There are two headlines to me that had striking overlap. And it's the first topic we're going to get into, which is climate change. And so one of the headlines reads, record pollution and heat herald a season of climate extremes. So that is related to the fires that are burning across the breadth of Canada, blanketing parts of East and United States with choking orange-gray smoke. Puerto Rico is under a severe heat alert, as other parts of the world have been recently. That's the quick context on that first headline. The second headline is Zelensky visits the flood zone after calling for a clear and quick global response. That is related to an explosion early Tuesday in a region of Ukraine that sent a torrent of the dam and it caused major flooding. And so, heavy right? Immediately, I just feel like the wind is knocked out of me. I mean, we both live in New York. One of these headlines had a very tangible impact. How are you feeling, Kel?
1: Yeah, it's pretty surreal, right? Just feels very end of the world-y. And I was kind of just thinking through my entire life of every, every impact that this has, like how much longer is our planet going to be able to sustain what we're doing to it? it, Is it responsible to bring children into the world one day? It just has so many impacts on every piece of our life. And it is so real, like it's in front of us here right now. And you can see it in the sky and I think that's it right
0: it feels like existential and for so long scientists have been warning us about the very real impacts of the climate crisis we've created and it's starting to show up in I think what's unexpected ways in the day-to-day lives of people and I think the reason I wanted to join these two articles together is I think on its face these seem different right because one is what happened in the course of a war so Ukraine's flooding yeah there was an explosion that breached the dam and so i think people are like well that's definitely direct human intervention like that's a war it's not a natural disaster Mm -hmm. but what's happening in canada is also human made it just happened to be over a longer time horizon of what we are doing and in disrupting the stability of the ecosystems we depend on so in my mind these are both just clearly human caused catastrophes that that is such
1: a good way climate outcomes to look at it yeah like we do have so much
0: my hope is that people really start paying attention Mm -hmm. and as Samini Senguptu writes she wrote the article about the wildfires in the New York Times human caused climate change is a force behind extremes like this though there is no specific research yet attributing this week's events to global warming the science is unequivocal the global warming significantly increases the chances of severe wildfires and heat waves like the ones affecting major parts of North America today and I say that as just a reminder that the science is there as are some results So, I know it's overwhelming, I feel overwhelmed. Maybe a way to look at it is we now have some tangible things to respond to, so there's a book published called Drawdown, we'll link it in the show notes. Where the smartest people in the world have effectively said, here are some things we can start to do to reverse the impacts Mm. of global warming. It's overwhelming. We're overwhelmed with you. We'll continue to talk about it, explore it. There's still so much hope out there. And hopefully this is the evidence we need to convince people who are sitting on the fence or maybe don't feel like it's an issue they should care about. Do you have other dark
1: news that you want to talk to me about? Always.
0: (laughs) We're changing track. So... Yeah, this actually isn't
1: as dark.
0: It's not. Well... It's not light. As we get into it, we'll probably take that back. But... (laughs) Jim Rottenberg wrote an article on the back of Chris Litch tenure. So he was the CEO of CNN and was fired. The title was Does CNN's turmoil mean there is no room on cable for independent news? Really I think what the context is here is that his tenure, which was very short, Chris Litch that is illuminated how increasingly hard it can be to find success on divided cable news. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's broader than just cable news. It's News in general, now that media and eyeballs is so monetized in the modern age. The Warner Bros Discovery Chief, David Zevlev, was clear from the day he took control of CNN in 2022 about what he wanted for the cable news network. Publicly and privately, he told associates, reporters, and whoever else might like, care to listen... That he wanted to move the network away from what he viewed as left leaning advocacy and toward more balance. His CNN would not be anti Trump and would be
1: more welcoming for Republicans. I don't
0: disagree with that objective.
1: No, I it I'd actually agree. sounds a little like he was, you know, let's make something not biased enough that everyone can listen, it's which in evil. theory makes sense. And that's
0: where you dig into this article a little more. And I think internally, it was really, there was an unaligned independent approach to news that splintered and in the on-demand media era with when audience are primed for news on their own terms can it work and that's the question I want to ask like can it work in this highly niche place of cable and in the society we live in today what do you think
1: I don't know with cable news that it has as much of a use case that it used to because the way it used to operate would be it was always running in the background you were kind of listening to what was happening at all times and now with the internet and so many different sources you're not listening to the news all the time so you're only hearing piecemeal of some of the things that are happening I really struggle with the news as you were talking I was like does Australia have the same news culture that the U.S. has
0: okay so what's funny about this so we have kind of our main channels, channel 7, 9... Ten, mm. d- they're not cable; they're free to air. Um, and what I was laughing about when I would watch it again is it's very localized and almost dramatized. So in Queensland, at my parents' place, and they listen to the news every night. It's not as polarized potentially, mm. mm-hmm. but we aren't as divided. We definitely have people who are like far leaning either side, but they typically are not representative of like the, our two major political parties. Yeah. So, but I mean, Rupert Mur- Murdoch is Australian. And he is responsible for Fox News. And so much of the media, I mean, succession is based on him. And so, Australia, he's obviously a media mogul within my native country as well. Right. So, there's certainly bias. To come back to the question of like, do we think that an unaligned independent approach to news can be successful? I think the challenge is and will continue to be that we don't agree on truth. Mm. So without that, we don't have an agreement on what balance looks like, on what truth is. And so I think without broad consensus, I don't know how it comes to be that we can have an independent, a fully independent approach. But I mean, the ABC in Australia, I think is government funded. And so anyway, I, you know, as always, love to lighten the mood at the end of our recording. Ah, ah. It's a complicated time. Hopefully you feel seen, heard, valued, understood. Maybe you outright disagree with us. And that's also great. And really just feeling seen, I think, is where we'll land the ship land the ship I think I meant to say land the plane oh yeah can you my analogies
1: are all over the place so just yeah you one time said she could talk the leg off a table and I use it all the time so keep making your analogies because they resonate with me yeah and
0: I'm pretty sure it's leg off a chair but table works too (laughs) as always it's been fun Cal. thanks for listening
1: everyone and thanks for talking to me Steph
0: no problem and I guess anyone (laughs) who has a Taylor Swift concert coming up in their city go to it
1: and send videos after because I'm still trying to relive it
0: All right. Well, you hear from us next week. It's been fun. Bye.